1: even at
0: 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that We recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ippema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines. One you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page. We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime.
0: ACast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize
1: their podcast everywhere. ACast.com Peacock Streaming. The biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56,
0: what a game this is.
1: To complete coverage. Of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. Yes! It's all the unprecedented. The United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at peacocktv.com. Mirror Lane,
0: Mirror Lane. You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Good morning and welcome. Another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast, another edition where the only person you're going to listen to for the next 35 minutes is sadly me. Um, I organised this late. Um, The reason that I didn't do the podcast this week is because I spent some time in New Orleans um, with a couple of British friends, which was great fun. I watched the Man United game at two o'clock in the afternoon, a place called Finn McCool's, an awesome football bar packed with arsenal fans don't think that um i don't think that you realize quite how big arsenal is until you end up in weird places around america and there is always a community there ready to watch the game and drink beer with you in the middle of the week so i salute those people um additional news i've learned how to connect skype to my mixing board so that means that Instead of doing this on my own in future, if people in New York don't want to do it with me, then I can Skype people in. So that is an exciting innovation for me. Um, What did we miss out on? Pretty drab game game at Manchester United. Um, I'm not going to lie. Disappointing given the context that they lost to Newcastle and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is basically a very average PE teacher. And it's really coming to light um, quite how bad he is. And after the incredible start that he had... Um, last season it really is shocking and um, but for me uh, we've got to give the manager time uh, I hope the Woodward doesn't make any rash decisions maybe even give him a couple of seasons just to really wait for those ideas to ferment and um, you know see what magical craft creation can come from it um, and then standard the age um, you know i talk a, b- a little bit about it later on in the podcast but not too much but ultimately if Unai Emery does anything for Arsenal, he's brought the magic of the banter years Wenger to to the Europa League. Um, I enjoy the Europa League as much as I enjoyed, uh, you know, the 2007 Carling Cup sides. We've got a lot of exciting young players that we're all um, itching to see start and we're seeing magical performances. Um, watching Martinelli boss the front line uh, like some sort of elite cross between Nicholas Anelka and Robert Van Persie warmed the cockles of my heart. Um, You know, uh, it's a fantastic win. I'm hoping to see more of that. And I like the fact that Emery is using um, the kids in this competition. He's hopefully learned a little bit from last season, even though the Yang decision did baffle. But anyway, we're going to talk about the Bournemouth game in part two, and I will see you there. I think I've kind of categorized how we can go through the Bournemouth game because I think if you look at Arsenal in isolation you lose the bigger picture and I think though that sounds patronizing it's not meant to be but I do think that because we're football fans at the very heart of our analysis um, tends to be protecting the moment protecting the joy but I think I think when you do that, you ultimately open yourself up for greater disappointment a little later on um, in the season. And if you don't talk about the reality of the situation that we have now, you're not being honest to yourself. So I think that when we talk through some of the concerns of today, we're going to traverse between uh, some of the broader issues that I think are either brewing or happening in the squad right now. Um, But Bournemouth... It's three points. Three points is always great. It's moved us up to um, to third in the league, just a single point behind the mighty Manchester City. And on on paper, that's fantastic. You know, outside of um, you know, off paper, like however you want to frame it, being in third position at this point in the season secures Emery for the the, the next two months because it doesn't matter how drab the performances are. He can point to winning ugly. Um, I mean, he's always had to point to winning ugly. He doesn't win any other way. But uh, realistically, the club are not going to move on a manager um, that's sitting pretty. They're going to let him fix the problems. He's probably got a million excuses that he can use. And actually, to be honest, he's got a lot of fair excuses he can use. We all look back at the summer as the greatest summer of all time because it was the greatest summer of all time. But lest we forget... Two weeks before Raul started dropping players and uh, bringing in big names and, um, and making things move, we were protesting online. We were uploading, you know, video selfies of us saying how much we cared for the club and, uh oh, do, do you care, um, Josh? And ultimately he did in the end, but it did mask the fact that Unai Emery was on pre-season tour and we hadn't added any players um, to the squad and when Emery got a full squad of players, what was it a, a week out from transfer deadline? He picked up um, David Luiz, or oh, is he even closer than that? So number one excuse Emery can point to this season is he, he didn't have a settled defense. Um, he didn't have a, an idea of who was in and out right up to you know, the, the transfer deadline for Europe um, where Mikatarian left. Um, he lost leaders from the squad like Nacho Monreal would think it's hard to disagree um the color, he'd probably be playing above Kolasinac, um in, a, in in a flat back four, and uh, so so Emery's got that to point to. So he can say it's been a bit of a nightmare getting things up to speed. I'm learning who's good and who's not, and I'm getting everybody up to the same level of fitness. And then he can also um, point to the fact that even though he's had all of these problems, he's had some very tough games. You know, he's he's had to play. Um, he's had to play Spurs and United. Um, he's had to play, um, a, you know, a rampant Liverpool side. And he's, you know, he hasn't come through unscathed, but he hasn't come through um, in a situation that you could call a Spurs-like crisis or an Oleg Gunnar like crisis. So uh, at the moment, he's he's got you can't even call it a bonfire really he's but or, or a you know a, a trash can fire or uh, whatever americanism can come to your mind there it's um it you know we've racked up enough points we're close to all the people that we need to be close to and we've got a great squad that's bedding in and I, I guess you can also say that he's been trying the young players and young players make mistakes and it's difficult to gel them and um get them firing uh, toward uh, you know the, whatever Unai marie's Future vision is of of, of in style. So that's um, that's one way of looking at it. Um, I think the other way of looking at it is the the problems that we're having um, on the pitch now are exactly the same problems that we were having last season. Um, the philosophy looks non-existent. Our style is clunky. It looks a bit like a, it always looks like we're we're a drunk person having a bar fight, like we've scraped by on the brilliance of Aubameyang. Um, and, you know, we've had a bit of, a bit of luck along the line. So I, I think that, uh, you know, I think there are definitely um, two sides to this coin. Um, I know that the people that you know want to see, everyone wants to see Emory succeed, but those that truly believe in him think it's going to come good. I think that um, that is untrue. But if you look at what was on the pitch today, it, it presented an opportunity for Arsenal um, to, to shine. We're playing against the Bournemouth side. the Actually, sadly, have st- a lot of underlying statistics that map quite closely to ours. Um, oh, my phone's... Okay. Siri, Siri playing up right in there. Yeah, Siri's trying to check the underlying statistics for me. I really appreciate that. Anyway back to it. So the underlying statistics were pretty depressing. Um, Only only two other teams have um, conceded more shots on average against themselves um, than Arsenal, and one of those was Bournemouth. They've been shipping about 16.4 shots per game. Um, They average 4.3 shots on target per game. I think we're about one shot more per game than them. Um, They're lower in the pressing league, than us so they're not not a heavy pressure side which works perfectly for some of our stunning orchids that sit in midfield not really um, some of them just one particular player that needs the perfect conditions to really shine Um, and they don't really like coming to the Emirates and the game started off really well um, David Luiz scored a, a lovely glancing header from a Nicolas Pepe cross early doors and you kind of hoped because it had come within the first 10 minutes that maybe Emery would flex some creative muscles and we'd put on a put, put on a dominant show like we did against Liège in the week with the kids. It didn't really happen. Um, the, the first half w- was comfortable. A lot of Arsenal fans very excited about being comfortable about Bournemouth which again, is is another depressing thing to read. But ultimately, you, you take positivity where you can. If you take joy from seeing Arsenal um, control a shite team at the Emirates, good for you. Um, I took I, I I took joy from the fact that we hadn't conceded a goal and was a little bit disappointed by how little we'd made of our possession. Uh, the same things that haven't clicked in the legal season, didn't click against a team that wasn't even pressing us. Um, and then in the second half, you were kind of hoping that maybe a bit of a team talk or maybe a, a tactical change would unleash peak Emery ball, but again, it didn't come. Um, we conceded um, more shots in the second half against Bournemouth. We let them back into the game. Uh, Una Emery took off, um, Nicolas Pepe on 60 minutes to bring on Gabriel. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. We ended up switching out um, Ceballos for Willock and then the icing on the bland cake was the, in the last 10 minutes, um, Emery brought on Torreira to shore things up because Bournemouth was starting to look a little bit dangerous. So yes, we are defending 1-0 leads against teams that create absolutely nothing. Um, At the Emirates, that's where we're at at the moment. So where, um, I mean, it, it, it's a win, and like if you want to switch off now because that's all you need, you just need to hear that there's a win and everything's hunky dory, then um, you know feel free to feel free to jump off now because now we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty. But ultimately, uh, the, e- Emery is really struggling uh, to find balance in his teams, and it's and it all stems from the the midfield. As far as I'm concerned, the number one name. On his, on his team sheet every week is a player that is wholly unsuited um, to the Premier League. Um, Granite jacker is still a still a major problem as far as I'm concerned. Um, I wish that I could stop talking about it um, but ultimately, um, like in politics when you ignore it, when you ignore the illegal goings on, and you don't shout out about it, you you begin to normalise it. I don't think that we should ever normalise the fact that one of... A player that... I'm not even sure he divides the fan base anymore. A player that unites the fan base because we all think he's completely unsuitable wears the captain's armband, and he's a tactical weakness. But today, of all days, um, was the one where I hoped that he could at least show that there is a player there that, you know, under the right circumstances could blossom but he didn't really blossom he had an okay game an okay game generally with um with granite is that he doesn't make a cataclysmic error that leads to a goal um but uh, like those long balls from deep didn't really do much damage moving forward um i felt very sorry for the front three there's a real lack of creativity or know-how um, in the middle, um, which greatly hampers our ability to to kill teams, even when they're poor. So under no pressure, granted, Jacker wasn't uh, particularly great, and fans were celebrating a game where he didn't do anything wrong, which um, is is the same for me as celebrating having uh, you know being comfortably in control against Bournemouth at home. Uh, the the big disappointment with Jacker is like uh, as a captain, like what 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 is he doing for us? What is he doing? I don't see I don't see leadership um, I don't see match winning performances um, I don't see him as having any authority in the dressing room because how can somebody that is so consistently um, off the boil hold any sort of performance authority over players in the dressing room you know look, uh, Una Emery said before the game basically democracy won out like he knows all he needs to know because the players said they wanted Granit Xhaka, but. Like be real. Would you if you if you have a good boss who helps you grow, that holds you accountable and that drives you forward in your career, if you had the chance to pick that boss, would you pick that boss? No, because the best boss for you is normally not the most ideal. Um they normally call you out, they make you feel uncomfortable. Um, I feel like the players picking Granite Jacker as captain is just one huge troll, a little bit like um, the Arsenal players back in the day convincing um, Arsene Wenger that Stepanovs was a really talented centre back that he should definitely sign, and then he went ahead and he signed it. Players don't always pick the thing that's right for them, and I think in this case, anybody suggesting that Granite Jacker is an elite leader, we just can't see it. I think I think is a bit disingenuous because. You, you can see great leadership. And, and because in football it's so obvious. Um you 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 see it on the pitch, uh, you hear it in the press conferences after um and you see the way the players react to. him. for me, the best thing that Granite Jacker does on the pitch is he's always there Um, as the first one to argue with the referee that's about the extent of the performances but the bigger issue is outside of the captain's armband is that he's a tactical weakness he lacks mobility Um, he's not very disciplined I don't think he's particularly strong from a defensive perspective he just you know he's very good at tactically fouling I'm not even sure if you can call it tactically fouling I just think he's very good um, at getting in the way and knocking over people Gilberto was a good tactical fouler Fernandinho is a good tactical fouler but Granite Xhaka just looks like he fouls because he has to because that's the last result um, versus letting a player um, run away from you so like when when the linchpin of your midfield isn't quite right for the Premier League you're off to a bad start anyway and then you have Matteo Guendouzi trying to learn the game next to somebody that's not really suitable. Then you pick Ceballos, who's I think is a, an exceptional talent, but again, I feel like he's a little bit lost at the moment and he's not getting the, the direction from the manager that he needs. I don't think he's getting direction from the captain that he needs. So you're kind of merging two very, very inexperienced players next to a player that's not a very good captain and not a very good player so you get um you get a real lack of know-how in the middle of the park the connection between attack and uh and, and the front three w- was off most of the game yesterday and that you know that's what you get a lack of creativity you get Yang dropping incredibly deep to create for for the, you know the other two pepe and saka you have pepe dropping really deep um, into his own half trying to you know release anybody that's ahead of him and it and it's just it, it just a, a bit of a mess but the the overarching point is this is bournemouth this is the team that don't press um that that looked incredibly fragile in the first half and we still can't turn in a performance so if you can't turn in a performance against bournemouth um 11 games into the season like, when is when is this going to improve? Are we still under some sort of belief that the missing ingredient to everything that is Emery Ball is Hector Bellerin and, and Kieran Tierney? I mean, I know that those two will improve um, the output, but they're not going to improve the midfield. Um, and I, I just think it's an, another another hopeful punt that if, if these two things happen, everything... Uh, will get better and I, I I'm just not sure that that I really believe that. So a poor a poor performance from midfield, which then bleeds into a poor performance for the attack. And this leads me on to my second topic of the afternoon. And it's just general player management from from Unai Emery. I, I just think he he makes bad decisions. It's like he's on the spectrum. He doesn't really feel the squad. He doesn't really, he doesn't, he doesn't have a good feeling for the squad. And, and you don't have to look far to see that this is probably quite an accurate assumption when it comes to Unai Emery. Um, he doesn't understand the dynamics of what goes on in the day-to-day um, so he can't decide who the captain is. Like it's it's quite a big decision and it says a lot about who you are as a manager to say, this is my captain, this is why he's my captain and I don't care what you think, I'm going to roll with it because that is my uh, my decision based on the principles that I have as a, as a person and my beliefs in the game. So he, he waits until what, six or seven games into the season. Um, it, it's clear that he probably does want to, Pick granite jacker but can 't quite bring himself to make a decision that he might know is going to irk the fans, so then he throws it out um, he throws it out to to the players and he picks granite jacker because the players voted him in, so he can't even make he can 't make a decision on, on on a captain without a democratic vote, which to me just reeks of of weakness. Straight up, and even in the press, the press were like, "Why did you pick Granite Jacker?" And he said, "Well, the players spoke, so it made my decision easy." You know, they might do things like that in Manchester City, but Manchester City is a very different beast from a, a directionless Arsenal. Um, and, and arguably, one of the the biggest failings of the Wenger era was the summer that he spent 100 million on talent, and Granite Jacker really was one of the poster children of, of, of the bad moves. So Unai Emery trying to rip the guts out of the Wenger regime and then make someone from the Wenger regime, a not very successful person from that era. He's captain. So he, he puts, uh, I, there was, I, I wrote a match report and I likened it to um, uh, a president that gets elected uh, based on a, on a sham election. So he doesn't have, uh, you know, Jacker doesn't have buy-in from the people. He doesn't have buy-in from the players. From a performance perspective, uh, he's a uh, he's, he's a bit of a dud sitting in there. So he's so I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So he, he makes he makes that statement with Granite Jacker, which I think is going to be disastrous. And I think as the season goes in and, and players like David Luis, um get their teeth into the culture of the club and how things work, I think that that's going to cause. I think it's going to cause problems because it wasn't a good decision. Then we have the Meza Ozil challenge. So everybody knows that Meza Ozil and Unai Emery do not get along. You know, we saw it last season when um, he tried to get rid of him by January. He's, you know, constantly benched him or ostracized him. Um, Then in the summer, we kind of thought that maybe Meza Ozil would go and Mesut said that he wasn't going under any circumstances. So Emery spends preseason playing uh the the german international who's beloved by a huge proportion of fans now undeservingly so but you know that's that's the deal you know the mesut ozil is uh a twitter superstar he's got 20 million followers like he is a huge um a huge player in in the world of fandom but also within the game with the players because he's an exceptional talent and it doesn't matter what he turn, you know, which games he turns up into, how often he turns up ill, how many hours of fortnight he plays, you have to accept that the guy is an exceptional talent. So Uno Emery plays a blonde haired Ozil um, very publicly throughout preseason, and give him his dues. Meza Erzl put in a lot of, you know, strong performances. It looks like he was working hard, he looked fit, he looked healthy, he looked like he wanted to um wanted to come back into the fold, and Emery looked like um, to his credit, that he'd you know, passed the olive branch um, to make peace with him. So then the season starts. Meza Erzl hardly plays a game. Um, and Emery starts dropping him again. He starts dropping him out of the squad. And then part of his five captains is he Ozil. Oh my God, what's going on here? How do you make a decision like that? You're trying to get the guy out of the club and you give him the captain's armband that for me tells you that Unai Emery doesn't really understand interpersonal relationships. He doesn't understand hierarchies within a football club. And this has historical relevance because Emery made the same mistakes when he was at PSG with Thiago. Um, he alienated um, a, a popular player, which has repercussions, It has repercussions within the squad. So, when um when things when things are fine and you're sitting third in the league and everything's going great, dropping Erzul isn't a problem. But I I would I have a a very big hunch that Meza Erzl is probably still quite popular among the young players and among the senior players because the guy is a World Cup winner and he is a sublime talent even when he's playing at seventy five percent. So when you have a game like today at home in the warm weather um, and your first team is having creativity issues and you don't even put Mesut Ozil on the bench, it starts to send warning signals um, to the rest of the squad because he's, a, he's one of the captains and he can't get on the bench and then the team has, uh, creates nothing. So it's not, like, um, it's not like when Mourinho would say, Wow well, Matter isn't playing. I know he was Player of the Season last year, but I've got a new structure in place, and this is the reason that I'm doing this. I'm making a statement about mobility and pace. Like we need more of it, and uh, you know, out the back end of it, we'll have a better performance as a team. No, Unai Emery is saying I don't believe in Meza Özil, and I don't need his creativity. And then we're not creating on the pitch, and our front three are suffering. As a result, now I'm not saying that Meza Özil could come into the team and fix that midfield, but ultimately what I am saying is that when he has played this season, he does give you that extra bit of magic. He does move the ball quickly. He does open space, uh, unlike any creative player that we've got in the side at the moment. And good players want to play with great players, and the job of Emery really should be: how can I extract more out of Meza Özil in certain time stamps, you know, like Bournemouth at home that keeps him happy and, you know, brings the most out of the team. Like he should be working out how to get the most out of Meza Ozil because Mesut Ozil's not going anywhere and he costs 350 grand a week. But instead, he doesn't even put him in the squad and we play like shit. And those sorts of decisions come back to bite you. And I'll tell you another decision that I found slightly baffling today. We're playing Bournemouth uh, they are shit. <laughs> they are not a good side. They, they, you know, I know that they rallied a little bit in the second half, but Emery's diagnosis to a lack of creativity and a lack of shots on goal was to take off Nicolas Pepe. And I know Nicolas Pepe hasn't been great so far this season. I appreciate, it. you know, the guy's trying to adapt to a, a new league. He's trying to adapt to a muddled system, but. The problem on the pitch against Bournemouth wasn't the front three. So making a statement substitution, like a stinging rebuke of Pepe, I am taking you off for an 18-year-old, doesn't feel like a smart decision. And it doesn't feel like a smart decision because you could have left him on and let and let him try and forage out a goal, wait for Bournemouth to get tired, um, I mean, Bournemouth were were starting to attack us a little bit more. We know the um, counter-attacking football suits Pepe a little bit more. You could have just given him the extra thirty minutes and let him grow into the game. After all, uh, he is a most expensive signing of all time. Yanking him on thirty minutes shows a lack of faith, um, and it it also shows, I don't know, like a, a, a little bit of a little bit of petulance. Perhaps, maybe petulance is, uh, is unfair, but it, it felt like a rash decision that didn't have the long-term effects of the player in mind. And it's these little microaggressions that Emery drops that are pointless. I mean, I, I, I honestly think that it's pointless. Like, Why not leave Pepe on the pitch to find his feet? Um, why not take off obama Why not take off the most important player in our side and rest him after giving him an absurd, risky 10 minutes against standard Liège in the week? Why not put the player that scored two goals from a central position through the middle? No, instead, Emery takes off Nicolas Pepe, dents his confidence, tells the whole stadium that... You know he doesn't he he doesn't really rate what Pepe is offering up. I just think it's weak leadership. But I, but again, I think that that is that is Unai Emery. I don't think that he really thinks about the ramifications of his behaviour on the wider squad. And if, if you go back through some of the archives of uh, of complaints the PSG players had about him, uh, it, it was it was bad interpersonal skills. It was, it was a lack of clear communication. I think I read one article where Tiago was saying, you know, Emery will say one thing to your face and then you'll hear that he's said something about you to a player X over there. I mean, just doesn't really give me the confidence that he has a full grasp of, of how to manage elite egos. And if you read, you know, read the Carlo Ancelotti book, um, or, 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 you know, read a book on a president. Sometimes you you have to take the L as as a manager. Sometimes you just have to say, I got to sacrifice a bit of me to get the most out of this uh, out of this squad. Like sometimes you've got to put an arm around a player. Um, sometimes you've got to leave a player on the pitch and pull him to one side and say, like, like I have complete faith in in your ability. And, you know, sometimes you have to be um, a little bit more ruthless about your decisions. And all of those things Emery sometimes demonstrates, but he demonstrates it with the wrong players. Like Granite Jacker gets the arm around um, the shoulder and he doesn't need an arm around the shoulder. He needs to be sat on the bench. Um, you know, Nicolas Pepe gets taken off um, for, for a kid. When really Granite Jacker should have been taken off for Willock, and we would have seen a different approach to the attack, and then you could have left Nicholas Pepe on, and perhaps we would have started creating chances like we did in the last twenty minutes against Aston Villa, like we did against Standard Liège. So, I just feel like there's uh, there's a lot of mixed messages coming from the manager, and though I don't think you have to be consistent. In um, the decisions you make, like with your tactics, like you know, the 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 you know having an air of surprise is, you know, I'm all about that. You do have to have consistent principles of management. I think players have to know where they stand, and everything that I'm seeing from Unai Emery does not wreak of a man that has a plan or a man that has like a very. Um, solid idea of what his principles are as a leader, and you know we're in a we're in a good situation at the moment, just like we were this time last season. Uh, we're third in the league. We've just we've just won uh, two games on the bounce. The youth are bringing a lot of electricity to the side um, when they're starting. But my fear is it's it's the same mirage that we saw last season, and when we get into the middle of December and Emery has made bad decisions on overplaying certain players. When we pick up a few injuries, just like we did this time last season, and then we hit that Manchester City, Chelsea, Man United run, and I, think, I think we're going to be in trouble again, and I think that we're going to go through a rough patch. And then you've got players like Luis, who can be a very divisive character. Uh, then you've got Obama Yang, who can cause problems and, you know, hopefully he's pushing into superstardom. I hope I, I hope this doesn't happen, but I would imagine agents are going to start sniffing him about and then the squad becomes easily dividable, um, especially if we go on four or five game bounce and, you know, we're not in and around the top four. Like I might be completely and utterly wrong on this. Like, I, I, you know, I, I really hope that I am because the club bet the house... On winning the champ, like making the Champions League this season, um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of things going Emery's way. Tottenham looking fall. Um, Chelsea are, are going to be inconsistent. though they are beginning to look a lot more impressive um, than, than, than we are. And Man United are in free fall. But look, Pochettino has pedigree um, with with that Spurs side. So don't be surprised to see them come back um, to rampant form when he irons out whatever those kinks are. If Manchester United sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and bring in somebody that can organise and create structure, they do have good players and um, they have pedigree. Getting back into the Champions League, so my my big my big worry is that we've kind of blown a lot of opportunities that don't look like opportunities on paper. They look like good results. But the reality behind them is that Spurs were in a mess and we didn't win. United just got beaten by Newcastle. We couldn't beat them last week. And they, and they didn't even play well. And we're playing Bournemouth and we're having two shots on target at home. Those are not indicators of a healthy system. We can't continue to blame Arsene Wenger for the ineptness of Unai Emery. The manager needs to get a performance going. And you can lie to yourself and say, performances don't matter if you're winning points. They absolutely do matter. We will not get top four this season by falling up the stairs. We will only get top four this season if Emory irons out the kinks in this squad and works out a way of balancing that midfield, um, creating defensive stability and showing um, some sort of intent and style when we transition forward and so that's um that's my that's my little rant for today uh thank you for listening in i've actually logged my computer out so i can't pause this um we'll be back um with a full grouping of uh, the arsenal opinion on tuesday night so you'll get that on wednesday morning If you have the chance, maybe you should go to the Apple website and give us a five-star rating because that would make me feel really good about wasting a Sunday sitting in my boss's office recording a podcast on my own. Um, And until then, um, have a great week and I will see you on Wednesday.
1: To order today, visit one 800 flowers slash tune in That's one 800 flowers slash tune in ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Epema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week, we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines. One you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page. We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime.
0: ACAST helps creators launch, grow,
1: and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.